MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, July 2nd, 2020. Today, more corroboration that the president was briefed on the Russian bounties. SCOTUS schedules decisions for Monday, July 6th. The 11th Circuit grants an en banc hearing in the Florida case forcing felons to pay all fees before they can vote. Oklahoma voters pass Medicaid expansion. George W. Bush officials launch a super PAC supporting Joe Biden. National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien says a senior CIA official made the call not to brief the president on the Russian bounties. An alarming escalation in new coronavirus cases. The governor of Nebraska bars municipalities from requiring face masks. And Senate Republicans strip a provision from an intelligence bill requiring campaigns to report foreign election assistance. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is AG. Um, we have a pretty, pretty fat show for you today. And it's going to be maybe a tad long. I've got interviews with Ellie Honig, uh, former federal and state prosecutor and uh, CNN analyst. He and I are going to talk about right up front the lead story here, which is Russia. And uh, then uh, Jordan's going to join me for news from under the radar. We're going to talk then. And, of course, uh, we have uh, Andrew Torres from Opening Arguments podcast. He's going to be joining us in uh, later on for the interview because we're going to be talking about the 11th Circuit court decision um, to allow an en banc hearing, not a rehearing, just a hearing, uh, in the case, you know, Jones v. Florida, which is about uh, felons being able to vote, which Floridians voted on. And we're going to talk about that and where that case is at. It's It's really interesting. Uh, so that's look forward to that interview. Um, and then, of course, the good news segment uh, comes at the end with Jordan and send your good news and quarantine confessions to us. Let us know uh, what you know, uh, you can if you've got a good news story locally, um, where you're at or just something that you find in the news that you think needs some attention and send it to us. You can send it to us at our website using the contact form. That's dailybeanspod.com. And then also you can hit us up on our twin our pinned tweet our twinned Pete. Oh, goodness. Spoonerisms. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm channeling my father. Uh, you can hit us up on our a pinned tweet at Daily Beans Pod. And then also quarantine confessions. We record today, so send them in. Uh, we still have time to put them in our compilation and tell us if you want to re- remain anonymous. You can find that at quarantineconfessionspod.com, uh, which is the same website as dailybeanspod.com or mullersherote.com. I mean, they all work. Just let us know. Send those in. And also let us know about small businesses and people uh, that that people can support. Um, we'd love to give shout outs to small businesses that, that could use our help uh, during this time. And I got a lot of feedback about Rob Dees, who we spoke about yesterday in, or yeah, no, day before yesterday in um, the good news segment about his uh, photographs of nature. And I just wanted to give you his Instagram. It's at Rob Dees, R-O-B-D-E-E-Z. You should check him out. Very, very just wonderful photographs. Um, And tomorrow is the live stream Q&A happy hour. So send in your ideas for themes as well. And uh, we're looking forward to this show. We have a lot to get to. Like I said, Andrew Torres, Ellie Honig, Jordan Coburn. It's going to be a big day, and we have a lot to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. 
All right. So we do have a lot of breaking news today about the president not knowing and more importantly, knowing now and not doing anything about Russian bounties paid to the Taliban to murder U.S. and coalition forces in Afghanistan. And joining me today to talk about it is former federal and state prosecutor and CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig. Ellie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, AG. This this is a mind blower. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of things that have happened during this administration that have been shocking. The, the word stunning gets overused, but but it's appropriate. But this one, I, I'm having even a hard time sort of mentally digesting it. And, and it's interesting to me that one of the questions I get asked a lot through my CNN viewer inbox is, can you impeach a president more than once now that they already tried once? Is, is that it? And the answer, I think, is legally, yes, but but politically, it's really difficult. But God almighty, I mean, if this proves out, it's 10 times worse than Ukraine. Yeah, it would be the only thing I agreed with Bolton on, because apparently he knew about this. And when he said that uh, the, the the Democrats was too focused too narrowly on Ukraine, you know what would have been great, though, is if you fucking told him. Uh, but anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah, gee, gee, John Bolton, if only someone was, I don't know, national security advisor could have done something about it. What a, another mark of shame for this coward. <laughs> Fuck his book. Um, <laughs> all right. So so today Trump tweeted that the Russia bounty story is made up fake news and a hoax and, and that the secret source, by the way, that reminds me of secret sauce, which is funny. Um, <laughs> the secret source probably doesn't exist. Um, and in, you know, in, and here's the thing in 2017, he sided with Putin over our own press and our own intelligence agencies, and he's doing it again. And like we've, we've seen this reporting, there may be disagreements in the, within the intelligence community, but not about the information and the reporting that we have now is showing that NATO was briefed. Everyone in the world was briefed. I, I, you know, everyone was briefed. Even Gina Haspel said, but Trump is like, I wasn't. And I mean, how can you, I mean, that's just a weird defense. So I've been trying to puzzle through what the various defenses here are or could be or have been. And so I've been able to identify a couple, two or three main strains of defense, right? The original, the original defense out of the white house was he was, the president was never briefed. And the word briefed seemed to be doing a lot of work there. Like how are you defining brief, meaning somebody never sat down and explained it to him or it was never in his book, his briefing book. But that seemed odd because if he was never briefed on it, then heads should be rolling immediately. Right. Whoever failed to brief him. I mean, Susan Rice said, I think compellingly, she said, if I got this kind of info, I would have barged into the Oval Office. So this idea he was never briefed, if that was the case, heads should have rolled and he should have taken immediate action, made an immediate statement as soon as he learned and said, I didn't know of this. Now I know of it. This is an outrage. We will be coming down hard on Russia. OK, no such thing happened. Mm-mm. Then it sort of went that then there was more reporting out there that he, in fact, was briefed. There's been reporting that there was something in his briefing book in, I think, February 27th. Now, mm-hmm. does he read his briefing book? I think people who've mm-hmm. worked inside the White House have said, of course not. I just have this image of like, uh, you know how um, there's this whole thing where drag queens go to read uh, children's stories to kids at the library. Like, I just <laughs> okay. imagine like divine, like with a picture book in in the <laughs> right. Oval Office. Like, Here's now the look Russians. here. Here's the Afghanistan's. Yeah. Now this is Afghanistan. Russia. You got to pay yeah, attention yeah, to Russia. Yeah. And and I just, I would, I would love to see that sketch played out on Saturday Night Live. But yeah, right. even, even you're right. A CIA, they, uh, who was it? O'Brien said today that a C- it was a CIA official, career official, who decided against briefing the president because it was not credible uh, intel. What? So so that that's another evolution, I guess, in the, the defense, which is, I guess, number three, which is 
there was intel, but there was some decision made that it was not credible not to brief him on it. And then and then def- defense number four is, as usual, the president's own tweets is providing even more confusion where he just says that's all fake news, hoax, hoax. I mean, you knew he'd get there, right? Fake news, hoax, fake source, the, the quote you read. So we've we've been offered four different stories, all sort of each one inconsistent in some respect with the other three. And it's hard to know where the truth lies. I suspect some somebody understood that, you know, it would put the president in a bad situation. In other words, that they wanted to maintain some sort of plausible deniability because, like you said, he always seems to take Putin's side. And the relationship that it reminds me of, the, the, the Trump to Putin is almost in a weird way as Bill Barr is to Trump. And here's what I mean by that. You have someone who claims in both cases Trump to Putin and Barr to Trump who claims, no, 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 I don't do that person's bidding. I'm, I, I don't, I'm not you know, uh, subservient to that person. I don't do things to please that person. Yet every single move they make serves that person's interest and is subservient to that person, right? I mean every single thing Bill Barr does is in Donald Trump's best interest, and it seems every move Trump makes is in Putin's best interest. So what's going on? Is this just a cosmic – uh, freak, you know, situation where if you flip the coin a, a hundred times, you got a hundred heads in a row. Or are these people trying to serve some, some higher, uh, you know, higher, higher calling here? Mm. Um, so I'm very suspicious of that. Yeah, and and I mean, the only feasible way here that he didn't know is is if or if he wasn't briefed isn't because it wasn't credible um, intelligence because we wouldn't have briefed. The five eyes. We wouldn't have briefed NATO. We wouldn't have briefed the universe if, if it was not credible or at least something that needed to be briefed. So the only feasible thing I can think of is that the intelligence community kept it from him to protect him from siding with Putin again after having three Marines killed last April, a month after he was supposedly had a discussion about it with Bolton. Uh, so that's the only because that was my first thought. Maybe they didn't tell him because he's he's in bed with Putin like that. That would be like, I could see somebody at the CIA going, boy, do we tell him uh, he's he, because otherwise it's, he's going to be an idiot. It could be right. I mean, there, there, look, there, there could well be a distrust of the president. We've heard from several military leaders who, who had served under the president just in the last few months saying they basically had no faith in his abilities and loyalty. Yeah. But now that I think about it, that's not really a feasible situation because the the intelligence community doesn't decide to brief or not brief based on whether or not the president will act correct, correctly, (laughs) you know? Right, right, right. (laughs) But here's one of my questions, though. I mean, how I I think through how are we ever going to get answers on this? Okay. Mm. Obviously, the media has a very important role to play here and already has played a very important role. The problem is the president will just continue to, to essentially flip the chessboard and you know, just try to confuse things and just say hoax, 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 false, fake news, fake news, fake news, which doesn't it, – it's frustrating because th- that, that's just the muddy the waters defense. Um, and, you know, DOJ sure as hell isn't going to do anything about it, not with Bill Barr in charge. So Congress really has a, a job here. They have something they have to dig in. And I get that the timing is not great politically because we're right on the verge of an election. Uh, but you have – four months and change until this election. So again, why not do your job? And by the way, shouldn't this one fall, thank goodness, not to Jerry Nadler over a judiciary, but Adam Schiff in Intel? Shouldn't, I mean, it seems to me like that would be where the jurisdiction would sit. So 
Hmm. Where's Nancy Pelosi and where Adam Schiff? And maybe maybe they are intending to do something here. And and I have way more faith in in the capacity and ability of Adam Schiff to do something meaningful here, certainly than I do with Nadler. But on the other hand, if Schiff does start dropping subpoenas, he will get resistance and it's going to be tough for him to get into court and get get decisions on short order. But but how can Congress not go go full bore into this? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm what I want. When O'Brien came out today and said that there was a CIA career official that made the decision that made that's the one person who made the call not to brief the president on this. Fine. Dems are looking to change the rules in the House to beef up inherent contempt. Subpoena this particularly this particular CIA office official and O'Brien and to get the name of the CIA official, bring them in, put them under oath. And if they refuse to come in, start fining them. That's what they want to do is they want to start tacking on twenty five thousand dollar fines for each day. These people ignore these lawful subpoenas from Congress. I mean, yep. that, I think, is what needs to happen here. And not just obviously O'Brien and this CIA unnamed CIA official, but everyone. Pence needs to be asked how he missed the boat if nato knew and everybody like we need to start we need to have hearings on this and we need to do it fast and we need to we need to beef up that inherent contempt to you know to actually put some teeth into these subpoenas yeah i agree so two things on that first of all um there will be objections put up by by the white house the administration to any sort of attempt to to gather facts here but i will say if the if if a reasonable accommodation here is behind closed doors confidential briefings that are not open to the public. I'm fine with that. I mean, look, preferably these should be, I believe these should be public hearings and I think everybody needs to know and has the right to know, but if they're going to get answers more quickly or more thoroughly or more effectively by going into the skiff that, the, you know, the quote unquote basement bunker, I hate that term, but uh, you know, the, the skiff, the, the, the secure compartmentalized facility, um, then do it that way. I, I'd rather it's more important to me that at least Schiff and his committee or whoever's going to do this has real answers. And if that's the best way to do it, do it. Um, and it's interesting on the second point that you mentioned, inherent contempt. And just so people understand what that is, again, a very common question I get at CNN is when the White House and the administration blow off all these subpoenas from Don McGahn on for the Mueller report, for for Hope Hicks, you know, you can Bill go Barr. through all the different Bill yeah. Barr being offender number one. Why doesn't Congress, why doesn't the House just send out send out the good old sergeant at arms <laughs> and lock people up in the old uh, Capitol jail? And and the answer to that is they used to do that. This used to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be there still is a sergeant at arms, but he's essentially a secure a security force at this point, not an arrest making force. But they used to be able to send out the sergeant arms and make arrests and they would lock people up. Um, there's actually some odd historical debate about where the Capitol jail physically is in the Capitol building. There's different theories and catacombs and weird things like that. If you want to take a deep dive, but the point is that inherent contempt authority, inherent enforcement authority has not been used in a meaningful way in Congress since the 1930s. So almost a hundred years. And there's an increased movement in Congress. I know representative Negus. Uh, Joe Negus, for example, um, has been pushing for it. And I think they should, because that is a key enforcement tool that Congress has and has just died out of non-use. But it exists. It, it should exist. And it's necessary because Congress has to have some way to enforce its will or else, as we're seeing right now, they'll just get steamrolled and ignored everywhere they go. So that'll be interesting to see if Congress can actually get themselves back up to speed. And what you said might be a smarter starting point, a more realistic starting point of at least start with fines. You know, before we get into handcuffs and jails, let's start slapping fines on people. Now there's the question of who's going to enforce and collect those. But heck, 
you know, why not? Why not try? Like, it's better than rolling over. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what's in the proposal uh, to the rules is a $25,000 fine up to $100,000 aggregate, which I assume means total. Yeah, yeah. Um, so only four days worth of fines. I and guess, yeah, uh, and you can't yeah. use uh, taxpayer funds to pay those fines. Right. So you can't like do a Betsy DeVos where, you know, they fine you they fine you $100,000 for predatory lending on private schools and then you just pay it with uh, your budget. <laughs> just, just walk over to Treasury and get a check from Mnuchin and walk it over to the oh, uh, to No, he doesn't cut checks. He just prints money. You know, you've seen his right. Instagram thing. He'll just print you just giant sheets of hundreds and then you just That's how it works, right? Yeah. You, know, you got to cut them up yourself, but he'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was... A, when I was a kid, they used to take us for, the, for a field trip. I grew up outside of Philly to the Mint in Philadelphia, the U.S. Mint. And I remember thinking, like, wow, like imagine working here. You just... You know, this is how money happens. But uh, <laughs> apparently it's a little more sophisticated than that. But Well, not anymore. He just <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> apparently he's just printing it hand over fist. Yeah. Uh, and we you know we'll sort it out later when there's a Democratic uh, administration. All right. Well, thank you very much for going through this uh, with us. Um, this is a huge story. I want to keep it alive. We need to keep pushing it. Uh, I was glad to see that the major networks started picking it up. Um, even Fox News even picked it up, although they were just going after the leakers. Um, right, right. Which is exactly what I I assumed the response would be, would be, we have to stop that leaker. I had no guess that it was going to be, I was never told. And then, oh, I was never told because the, the intelligence is incredible. This, it's right. just that, well, they can, they, that story is going to fall apart. They can combine multiple... Uh, inconsistent defenses. But one one thing I would say with this story that I hope, and it's something, oddly enough, we used to say to juries sometimes in criminal cases. Sometimes when you have a long criminal trial and it involves more than one crime, more than one act, like I do these mob cases where we'd have 15 different crimes, you would say to the jury at the end, don't get numb to this stuff. I know you've been hearing about the crimes these defendants, I'm talking about again in the mob trial context, I know you've been hearing about the, the crimes that these defendants have committed for the last two months. And after a certain amount of time, you just get used to it and you get numb to it. But but remember, each one of these is important. Each one of these is a real crime. And I think about that sometimes when you see – I'm not saying everything here is a crime, but when you see the constant stream of abuses of power coming out of this administration and there's a tendency – just fatigue sets in, numbness sets in of like, oh, gosh, I don't know. We, we you know, uh, he got impeached earlier this year for something else. Like, it's just enough. But this is not. This is a big, big deal. And people need – whether it's media and Congress need to need to stay on this and demand answers and accountability. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that fire hose of scandals and lies is by design. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, former federal and state prosecutor and CNN legal analyst Ellie Honig. I appreciate you talking to me today. Thanks, AJ. All right, everybody stick around right after this break. We will have news from under the radar. You don't want to miss it. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. If there's anything interfering with your happiness, or you have anxiety or stress, or anything like that, anything preventing you from reaching your goals, I recommend checking out BetterHelp. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. BetterHelp is not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's actual professional counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. Everybody can use some help during these tough times. These are extraordinary times, y'all. 
Uh, I've sought help for my PTSD, and I'm a huge believer in seeking help when you need it. And BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide with a broad range of expertise in their counselor network that might not be available locally in your area. You can log on to your account anytime from anywhere and send a message to your counselor, and you'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, go out in the world. You know, right now we're all trying to sort of stay home a little bit. So, you know, that traditional therapy is a little tougher. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they, you know, they make it easy and free to switch your counselor if you want to. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And financial aid is available, too. Visit their website and read testimonials like this one from user ER who says, This being my first time using teletherapy, I was not sure what to expect. Megan exceeded my expectations and more. She's very good at listening to what you have to say. And I've never felt like I couldn't tell her something. She provides very sound advice and helps me to think about situations from different perspectives. She's timely and professional, and I felt like each session was very productive from start to finish. I would recommend Megan to anyone. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, you get 10% off your first month. That's at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for news from Under the Radar with Jordan Coburn. Jordan, how are you? Hello, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Uh, I'm good. I got like a weird headache today. I don't know if it's mm. the weather or stress. I don't know. I just got a weird headache, but hopefully it'll go away soon. I took I took an ibuprofen, so totally. But other than that, I'm good. Okay, good. If it gets really bad, you should uh yeah consider keep an eye on that shit. Basically, hell yeah, yeah. Um. I will, because I don't know what it is. It's just weird. Yeah. But I feel like it feels like one of those ones where the muscles in your neck are causing it. So it's mm. probably stress. Tension headache. Um, yeah. And that probably has to do with the news. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's get Which, into uh, it. Yeah. Let's, Good nice let's segue, blow right? that head you off. Like, <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, I'm going to start with um, a coronavirus update. Uh, at least a dozen states now are seeing hospitalizations for COVID on the rise, most dramatically in Texas, where over 6,000 people have been hospitalized. Um, we have in the United States a 75% increase in new cases since last week, according to Johns Hopkins. 19 states are pausing or pulling back their reopening. Um, the official death toll right now has surpassed 127,000 deaths, though a new study shows deaths from coronavirus could actually be 28% higher because of underreporting. From the Journal of the American Medical Association, uh, they looked at uh, deaths between March and May and compared it to previous years. And what they found is that there were 122,300 more deaths uh, than in previous years, and the majority of those are attributed attributable to COVID-19. But the official COVID death count for those months is 95,235. So that's like five, just like 27,000 more deaths. So the study authors believe we are under underestimating the death toll. Mm -hmm. um, because they look at like excessive deaths, you know, they like take out what would normally be the death count for like pneumonia and other mm -hmm. respiratory related things. And Anyway, um, so that's not good. And I, of course, we've been, you and I have been talking about them underreporting the deaths um, for a long time and the case numbers but because we aren't testing, uh, first of all, and because, you know, of all of the, you know, suppression of data from these Republican governors who were firing or suppressing the data that one in Florida that forced the woman 
um, there who was maintaining the dashboard on the website to falsify the numbers. And then she was fired. And now she's created her own website. Um, California had almost 10,000 new cases on Wednesday. uh, But Governor Newsom uh, held a press conference. He's reverting back to tighter restrictions, pretty much back to shutdown days in 19 counties. L.A. County has more cases than 40 states, more more than 40 states. Um, And this is due to uh, Memorial Day parties, not the protests. Yep. I just pulled up the article (laughs) to say that. Uh Yeah. Which caused complete hell on my Facebook page, of course. People are like, oh, yeah, because thousands of people to protest aren't going to cause it to spread. I'm like, dude, it's established science. You put a roof on it and you fucking blow the roof off with the sickness. That's how that shit works. Mm -hmm. If you're at a party and you're all drunk and slobbery and touching each other and shit as people do, it's like that's the kind of behavior that spreads stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And there will be an increase in cases because of the protests, but it's not going right. to be anything compared to what we saw on Memorial Day weekend, um, you know, with revelers and party goers doing butt crack shots and whatever the fuck. Exactly. And so, so and, Hey, I'm all for butt crack shots. You know, I'll do keg stands with a walker when I'm 80, I swear. But <laughs> we have to, like, not do it during a fucking pandemic. Yeah. Seal the butt crack just for a little bit. <laughs> Just give it a breather. Seal the crack. Seal the crack. That's our new uh, PR campaign for COVID. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, and also, first of all, and just scientifically speaking, we aren't going to see the cases from the protests until next week anyway. We aren't going to start seeing that increase. And it will be engulfed, I think, by what happened on Memorial Day. So I think it was right for a lot of places to close their beaches down for the 4th of July, mm-hmm. um, including um, here in California. All beaches will be closed. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see here. Oregon, Washington, and Alaska are seeing their high- highest daily increases as well. 37 states now are seeing increases in new cases with 11 staying flat. It was 12 with 36 yeah. states, now 37 states. You said Alaska? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know Alaskans yep. are just up there protesting BLM like there's no tomorrow. That's, that's <laughs> well, what's happening up there. Well, they went from like none to like 48. So it's a low number, but it's still a yeah, significant sarcasm, increase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Okay, okay, <laughs> I know. okay. I was like, I feel like I just um, need to say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I always do this thing where in my head, I laugh and acknowledge at the joke and then go on to the next thing without laughing and acknowledging the joke before I completely, do that with my Completely. Mouth. I only say that for our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> because you do that too, don't you? Have you ever done that? Like somebody will tell you a joke and you'll be like, yeah, and this. Oh, and, yeah. And you're like... Oh, I internally laughed hysterically. Yes. And I'm the worst a- person. Your sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, I'm the worst person to pitch jokes to. I'll just like sit there, like, and my chin gets kind of lower, and my gaze kind of like, like, I, when I focus, I like give myself a double chin and then stop showing any emotion on my face. It's probably terrifying for anyone that's ever like- told me anything. <laughs> it's like Miranda and the Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. Oh, and if you get the pursed lips, ugh. Death yeah, because I'm focusing. I'm like listening to what the person's saying. I also have a hard time like picking up on on things sometimes too. But but yes, anyways, I totally get that. I do the same shit. So yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Anyway, I know Alaska is uh not yeah just anyway continue. <laughs> <laughs> but now there's only two states. There's only two states who who are decreasing in numbers of cases, and uh, not there's not a single state 
that followed the CDC guidelines for reopening. Remember, they they put together this whole thing, the CDC, about reopening. Trump uh, shat on it and threw it in the trash um, after not reading it, probably. And Mm -hmm. then uh, finally it came. Then reporters found out that it was quashed, this report. And um, and then it came out and it was really sort of mealy mouthed and whitewashed and just really terrible. And and of course, um, the then they did put these out and they said, you know, here's the three phases and you have to have seven days of consecutive decreases in new cases to do to do this. And here's, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then 14 days and on and on until, mm-hmm. you know, until you're to- f- fully reopened. Not one state followed the CDC guidelines for reopening. Um and amid the pandemic, though, here's a bright spot when when the Republicans are trying to gut Obamacare. Oklahoma voters have voted to expand Medicaid under Obamacare in their state, their ruby red fucking Oklahoma state. Deeply conservative Oklahoma narrowly approved a ballot initiative Tuesday to expand Medicaid to nearly 200,000 low income adults. This is the first state to do so in the midst of the pandemic, but not the first state to do this. Um, The vote to expand the Affordable Care Act's reach once again puts voters, many of them conservative, at odds with Republican leaders who have worked to block or invalidate um, the, you know, Affordable Care Act. Five states, Maine, Utah, Idaho, Nebraska, and now Oklahoma, have used ballot initiatives to expand Medicaid after their Republican governors refused to do so. Uh, Oklahoma pushed the GOP over a notable threshold. Most congressional Republicans now represent Medicaid expansion states. The vote also came at a striking moment less than a week after the Trump administration asked the Supreme Court to overturn Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, in its entirety, including Medicaid expansion. They would be not only going against the law, but going against the will of the people while simultaneously kicking 20 million people off of health insurance in the middle of a global pandemic. Sounds like their wet dream, honestly. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They jerk off to it. Jordan, what do you have for us? I have a few stories. Uh, So Trump is being an asshole on Twitter again, calling the BLM movement racist. He says in his, you could just look at his profile right now, if you can stomach it, it's just filled with all this ridiculous shit. But um, he said that, so he's calling the move to put Black Lives Matter on Fifth Avenue a... What were his words? He said it would be a symbol of hate. It would be a symbol of hate if you put Black Lives Matter on Fifth Avenue. I I guess that we hate. I guess that we hate him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that's what he means. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. It would be. Yeah. It's. I just. I unfollowed him on Twitter because I wind up seeing all of his shit anyway because everybody just, you know, comments on it or retweets it with some joke or something. But it's it's truly just so demoralizing to scroll down and read it. He also is voting or saying that he's going to veto the defense authorization bill if the, this is a direct quote, Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren amendment uh, comes with it, which will lead to the renaming plus other bad things, of Fort Bragg, Fort Robert E. Lee, and many other military bases from which we won two world wars. <sighs> He's going to veto... Wait, 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 wait. The renaming and other bad things that she wants to do to the base? What other bad things does she want to do to these military bases? It like- doesn't matter. If you put it in parentheses <laughs> and put an exclamation point on the end of it, that's all you have to do for his base. That's it. That's enough. No one's going to look into that. They don't care. 
bad. That's that's it. Uh, oh my god. It's a uh, Yeah, he's going to knock out the whole defense act which Republicans were fine with, McConnell was fine with based on having to rename uh those bases that are currently named after what Confederate uh-huh. leaders. Yeah. Y- yeah, nice. because y- you know Trump is just such like a history buff that's dedicated so much of his life to 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 just uh really, you know, studying and and feeling the the deep history of the United States, which is that sort of bullshit reasoning that people will try to give. But he can't even, I can't even believe he tweets any of the shitty tweets with a straight face that takes the position of him having any vested interest in our country, really, at all, in any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. But on top of that, that's obviously a ridiculous argument, that preserving racist shit this is something that I also learned. I was listening to John Stewart on Joe Rogan. Sorry, don't hate me. And John Stewart was talking about how these statues, these Confederate statues, they're so shittily made because they were just put up during Jim Crow a lot of the times to just antagonize black people and to be intimidating. It wasn't even like they were, you know, it's not even like they were there for some of them have been there for a long time, but like. A lot of them are newer, you know, and they were just put up oh, yeah. haphazardly. Mm-hmm. And, and this it's it's like you look at that shit. That's not trying to make the argument that it's some sort of uh, history based monument. It's it was an they're antagonistic monuments through and through, even how they're yeah. made. They're, they're, they're just complete shoddily made just skeletons of racism put up to be to be antagonistic. And that's all so. Um. Yeah, we don't need to. We're preaching to the choir here, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's not. Yeah, I mean, you're right though. It's not like uh, on the spot where General Lee died, they put up a statue of General Lee right then to be like, mm-hmm. this is where this guy died, and this is a historical marker because he died right here. No, this yep. was uh much much later. They just put them all up, and, and you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's literally going to veto. He's saying he's going to veto that entire bill if that's a part of it, which is just so 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 completely absurd but something that i believe he absolutely would do um the other the other thing that's going on uh talking about trump being the worst so there's a group of republicans bush supporting ex admin ex bush admin and campaign officials they launched a new super pack to ban disaffected republicans together to vote for joe biden and they launched it today, Wednesday. It's called 43 Alumni for Biden. I wonder if it's uh, 43 people. Probably not. How many? How many no, are in it? Who knows? 40, it's, it's 43. No, I, yeah, he was the first president. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, no. That That'd be just, great, uh, though, if there was 43 people. If they were like, nope, nope, we can't take you. You would be 44. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be amazed if they could get to 43 Republicans that actually were willing to stand up for anything like that. Probably, I, I say they have 10 people on it. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know how many people are actually a, a part of the organization. But, however, what matters is that they, they made this organization and uh, it's not because they make it clear. It's not because we support Biden's political agenda, <laughs> uh, but we are rather in full, this is a quote, in full agreement with the urgent need to restore the soul of this nation, end quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was spoken by Karen Kirksey. She's the director of the committee. She worked on the Bush 2000 election campaign. Restoring the soul of this nation. As someone, Karen, of course her name's fucking Karen, 
<laughs> as someone who helped elect a man that led us into the worst period of Islamophobia and racism this country's experienced before Trump, I'm not sure what she means by soul exactly, but that's how you know it's bad if you've upset the whiteies and then they're saying this is too much and putting their foot down and coming out and just voting for Biden on principle. So that's hopefully going to gain some, some traction. I could see people, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger types joining that group. Mm joining that coalition i know there's a fuck ton of republicans that are not down with what's happening right now so i have never seen um ever uh republicans coming out putting groups together you know maybe speaking up but not putting groups together to raise money like lincoln project and then this you know 43 whatever uh i've never seen this many groups like formed by republicans to vote out uh, not necessarily support the Democrat, but vote out the Republican in office. Yes. I've never yes. seen anything like this. No, no, no. Me neither. Yeah, and Republicans saying they're going to put their money behind something, those are fucking fighting words. Because that's how Republicans do shit, is they, they start bringing all their sketchy money together to buy the effect that they want to buy. And in this scenario, I hope they are successful. I wish them the best. Um <laughs> Yes, this is the only time I will wish the best to Bush and Associates. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. I just, I hate, I hate that as we get further away, you know, from that presidency, it's like we forget that he was also fucking awful. And I just want to make sure we don't forget that, that he was incredibly racist and shitty and his handling of Katrina was horrible. Starting the decades long wars that were in is horrible that he's still horrible but that being said um i agree with you i hope that they're successful in their pursuit and for my final story coming out of the senate the senate republicans have stripped the language from the national defense authorization act that would require presidential campaigns to report offers of foreign election help to the appropriate intelligence agencies um really the only reason that they're doing this is they're they they're saying that it's a uh i mean the whole thing is clearly just an antagonistic response to democrats trying to hold republicans accountable this election cycle that's through and through what it is they didn't even try to come out with any sort of reason that i saw reported anywhere for why they're stripping that bill of that language um it's just I mean, it's it's just like all of the election security bills sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk, just a completely blatant effort to not secure our elections. It's it's so sad to see us just barreling towards 2016 all over again. But mm-hmm. that's where we're going. Yeah. I mean, why would you take that out? Well, who, who would be like, OK, so this National Defense Authorization Act says that if your campaign receives an offer from a foreign entity or especially an adversary, to assist you in the campaign, you are required to report that uh, to uh, somebody, intelligence agencies, DNI, whoever. Who would want that? Who would be like, not nah, a bad idea. That's a bad idea. We should. Right. We, sh- we shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. That's how far their heads are up their asses that they see that as some sort of threat to Republicans entirely. And it's like, this is why, you know, people like us say, Well, yeah, because the only way you know how to win is to cheat. Because whenever anything comes Mm -hmm. up that would prevent you from cheating, you're against it. What are we what are we supposed to think after that? (laughs) You know, it's 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 so 
it's so infuriating and yeah i mean again i guess not a surprise but you would think that's especially something like our intelligence agencies which are historically not partisan agencies at all they're nonpartisan groups that do a very good job um of not being democratic <laughs> like of, of not being super liberal groups so for republicans and trump mostly and all of his people to have successfully executed this campaign of politicizing intelligence agencies it just takes me right back to when all of the agencies signed on and to that you know conclusion that russia was interfering on behalf of trump and still it's just every step of the way just closing their eyes to something that is a horrible thing for our democracy and it continues mm. in the senate as we speak yep and it was a backroom Republican deal to take that language out to Pelosi's mad. So we'll keep you posted on how that goes down. Uh, all right. Thanks for those updates. And uh, guys, we'll be right back on the other side of this break with an interview uh, about the 11th Circuit decision decision today. Um, it's it's a weird one. So I have a law expert on to talk to me about it. So stick around. Hello, it's AG. Uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, um, you know that Everyone who works here, Jordan, Joelle, Amanda, myself, we all have Helix mattresses and we rave about them. It is the most comfortable sleep we've ever gotten. Well, Helix has launched a new company called Allform that's gone beyond the bedroom to revolutionize furniture for the rest of your home. Allform makes beautiful, comfortable sofas and chairs delivered directly to you with fast, free shipping. And they make it easy to customize every sofa or chair or loveseat using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You pick your fabric, um, you pick the color, you pick the color of the legs, you pick the size, you pick the shape to make sure that it's perfect for you and your home. And all of the fabric is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, so it's perfect for pod pets. Uh, I picked out an all-form three-seater sofa and customized it in whiskey-colored leather with a walnut leg finish in a chaise lounge. I could never have leather furniture in my house because of the animals, but because of this amazing material that it's made from, there's not a problem. It came in a couple days. I put it together myself, no tools, and I absolutely love it. They have armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectionals so there's something for everyone and you can start small and add on as you move like move to a bigger house get a bigger family add some more to your to your all-form couch so there's there's something for everyone and you can always start small like i said and add on and usually if you want to order a sofa that's customizable it takes weeks or months the last sofa i got took three months to get here i had to have somebody assemble it for me the, the fabric was not scratch and spill resistant or stain resistant. And, uh, of course, I had to have a freight company call me. I had to deal with a company and a freight company. I had to wait nine hours for a delivery window. But, anyway, you don't have to deal that with that anymore. All form takes three to seven days. It comes in the mail. You can put it together yourself, like I said. It's easy peasy. Um, best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months. And if you don't love it, which you will, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. No weird fees. They also have a forever warranty. Literally a forever warranty. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off. That's huge. 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Today, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals accepted a rare en banc hearing in a Florida case that would block allowing felons to vote without paying fees, uh, which many see as a poll tax. And joining me today to discuss is co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, Andrew Torres. Andrew, thanks for speaking with me today. AG, thanks for having me back on. Yep, I have some questions for you because, you know, we focus mostly on the D.C. Circuit and the Second Circuit. 
Uh, can you tell us about the 11th Circuit, where it is, and what's the composition of that court? Yeah. So the 11th Circuit is very, very conservative. Um, it was split off from the 5th Circuit in, I, I don't know, like 1980 or so. Um, and it covers uh, the southern states of Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. Right. And then the rest of the Fifth Circuit that it was split off from covers Mississippi, Louisiana and Texas. So right. Deep South, very conservative. As of right now, counting vacancies, there are 12 sitting judges on the 11th Circuit. And of those 12, six were appointed by Donald Trump. Right. So just Trump. Yeah. Just Trump. Six judges. Yeah. OK. Um, well, that explains so, a lot. <laughs> that will explain a lot as as we get into this case. Yeah, and speaking of that, can you tell us the path that this case has taken and and where we are now? Because I mean, on bonk hearings are pretty rare. Um, so it seems like there was a circuit court of appeals, eleventh circuit court ruling that is now going on bonk. So this is so y you are correct that on bonk uh, rehearings are very very rare. Although you know becoming more commonplace in the era of Trump um, when every decision is a question of first impression and of monumental importance. Um, this is actually not an en banc rehearing. This is a thing I have literally never seen before. Now, I've only been practicing law for 23 and a half years, so um, possibly this happens all the time and I've just missed it. Um, <laughs> this is a request that the initial hearing, initial consideration of this appeal be heard by the 11th Circuit en banc. In, in other words, we're not going to wait. We don't want a panel decision. We want the entire court to hear this case on the merits first, um, which is, like I said, something I have never, ever seen. So how the hell did we get here? Um, let, let me... Let, Try and go sort of as quickly as possible, give the, the, the background. Um, and, and, and by the way, if you want, uh, if you want a five-second summary, because you're not going to get that from me, um, it, it's, this is why we're, we can't have nice things, right? Like that's, that's the way you should think about this ruling and, and, and what's going to happen. So what happened? 2018. Blue wave election in Florida. One of the things that passed was uh, Amendment 4 to the state constitution um, that uh, amended the constitution uh, of, of the state of Florida, which uh, permanently disenfranchised convicted felons from voting. Um, this is a, a, a growing trend among the states, right, to say, like, hey, hey, look, like when, you know, uh, when people complete their sentences, because the overwhelming majority of these are drug sentences and are, you know, felonies for, you know, possession with intent to distribute marijuana, which, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be seen as removing you from the bounds of civil society, right? Um, that passed in Florida, mind you, 6535. It was called Amendment 4, and it was supposed to restore voting rights to felons. Um, but because we can't have nice things, um, the way in which ballot initiatives work varies state by state. And oftentimes, uh, and is the case in Florida, the legislature can take what the citizens vote for and essentially gut 
<laughs> the provisions that were voted in by a majority of the people because, you know, they're, they're conforming it to, to proper legislation. Um, and that's exactly what happened in Florida, right? So two-thirds of Floridians, right? Like, we're not, we're not talking about, you know, the, the lower west side of Manhattan, right? Like we're, we're talking about a pretty red state uh, where two-thirds of the citizens said, you know what, like, we're sick of this system of permanently denying felons the right to vote. Uh, we want to amend the Constitution to to restore those rights. Um, as, as I recall, I mean, we've we've been following this story for a while. The governor said, OK, uh, but you got to pay your fees and fines and restitution. And then there was a, a ruling that said, no, you don't. That's a poll tax. Um, and I think that's what they're fighting. I think that's what they're fighting. So so that that's pretty close right like so it, it, the first half is exactly correct right the way to gut amendment 4 was to say oh amendment 4 says that people convicted of felonies will have the right to vote restored quote after they complete all terms of their sentence including parole or probation that's really straightforward what that means right that means you get out of prison you get to vote then republican governor because Florida residents, while smart enough to vote for Amendment 4, were not smart enough not to vote for Ron DeSantis, uh, got together and said, oh, okay, um, the way in which we're going to implement that is by interpreting all terms of their sentence as including all outstanding fines, Hmm. right? Which, as far as I can tell, in the state of Florida alone is a billion dollars in outstanding fines. And all of these are fines that the state never intends to get back. Every piece of evidence that I find are, are, you know, these are fines that like that the majority, the overwhelming majority um, cannot afford to pay. Right. So for example, there's a statutory mandatory minimum of $10,000 per offense. Every time you're convicted of uh, possession with intent to distribute marijuana in Florida. Right. And yeah, right. The average person caught with a bag of weed in Florida cannot pay 10 grand. No, even if you let me finish selling this weed, I'm not going to make 10 grand off of it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But but I do want to I just do want to put a caveat in here, uh, you know, saying that they weren't smart enough to not elect Ron DeSantis. That is a gerrymandered AF state. And 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 I don't know that that's, you know, he was necessarily fairly elected. I just want to kind of throw that in there. Uh, uh, fair. I, it, it, a fair point. Um, so that's the law they passed. It was uh, Senate Bill 7066. And here's where we have two tracks and the procedural history becomes a little bit complicated. Um, immediately, uh, a, a group of plaintiffs went into district federal district court in Florida um, led by Kelvin Leon Jones. These are uh, ex-felons right, that have completed their sentence, uh, and they sought a preliminary injunction preventing Senate Bill 7066 from going into effect. Right? And a preliminary injunction is not a ruling on the merits, right? it, it, but it is a, a judgment by the court that says, hey, we think you're likely to win on the merits, and we think that it's really, really important that this law not go into effect, because if it goes into effect and you win, you will have been deprived of core rights while it went into effect, for which you can't be properly compensated. That is called, in the law, irreparable harm, right? So uh, Jones 
went to a district court and said, I want you to enjoin this law. And the district court said, yep, absolutely. This clearly, this law clearly violates the equal protection clause of the 14th Amendment, uh, and we're going to enjoin it. And then Florida appealed that up to the 11th Circuit. And a three-judge panel of the 11th Circuit affirmed that opinion. This is back in March, uh, March 31st, so three months ago. Um, And that panel was an incredibly unlikely panel, (laughs) okay? Um, Because, like I said, 11th Circuit, super conservative. Um, Jones, uh, you know, like sat down at the table and drew to an inside straight. Um, His panel was uh, R. Lanier Anderson, an 84-year-old Jimmy Carter appointee. Uh, Stanley Marcus, it gets better, Stanley Marcus, a 74-year-old Clinton appointee, and because there's a vacancy, because there are vacancies on the court, uh, there was a senior district court judge that rotates around that sat by designation. That judge was Barbara Jacobs Rothstein, an 81-year-old Jimmy Carter appointee who sits in the the uh, district court for the District of Columbia. I've actually argued in front of Judge <laughs> Rothstein before. So, yeah. But I thought you said that the that the <laughs> that they circumvented the three-judge panel and went straight to to get an on bonk. Or is that in a different part of the case? That's what we're going to. So this is March, right? So in March. All of a sudden, Jones comes in and his lawyers are like, holy, like, we just hit the lottery, right? You know, like, we, we, and they, they, everything came up roses. They got a three, they got a 3-0 decision affirming the district court's denial, uh, the district, the district, affirming the district court's uh, preliminary injunction, preventing SB 7066 from going into effect. So everything seems fantastic, right? Um, Now... We go to the trial on the merits, and and this is where we are right now. Um, usually, when a district court says, remember, one of the criteria for granting a preliminary injunction is that you have to convince a district court that you are like that you have a substantial likelihood of prevailing on the merits at trial. Well, then when you go to the actual trial, like I, that's a pretty strong indication of which way the court's going to go, right? Like they've already said we think you're likely to win, and then sure enough. Uh, the, 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 the plaintiffs went before the district court and won. And then that was appealed by DeSantis, uh, to the 11th circuit. Um, there were some cross appeals and things that were consolidated and everything else. Uh, and on that appeal to the 11th circuit on June 11th, so a little over two weeks, about, about three weeks ago right now, um, the DeSantis administration asked the 11th circuit not to hear their appeal on the merits by a standard three-judge panel, but rather on bonk by the entire 11th Circuit. And they granted it. And the argument, that's exactly right, and the argument in their brief was, hey, the last time we had a panel here, they went totally off the rails, and we don't want to have that happen again. We want the entire 11th Circuit to hear this case on initial consideration, and that's the thing I've never seen before, that's the ruling that came down today. So I apologize, that's a, a shit ton of like legal geekery, but um, I just spent several hours like disentangling it and trying to figure out what this meant, and, uh, and by God, I'm going to inflict that on your listeners as well. <laughs> no, but we had to get to it, right? Because there was an appeals appellate court on the injunction, 
Uh, so I'm assuming that the granting of the full on banc 11th Circuit hearing before it gets heard on the merits by a three judge panel vacates this injunction. It, it, this is why you are, and I mean, I mean this, I'm not, I'm already on the show, so I have no need to flatter you. Um, you are the legally smartest non-lawyer uh, that, that, that doesn't co-host my show that I know. Um, and, 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 but that, but, but no, you're exactly right. This order that came down today, granting en banc uh, for initial consideration by the full 11th Circuit, also vacates the district court order, which is super weird because, remember, the 11th Circuit panel decision came out in March, and usually you've got a a deadline before the mandate becomes effective. Usually it's 21 days by which to petition for rehearing on bunk. And Florida didn't do that at this time. And if if I were the, the plaintiffs in this case, right, my argument would be, uh, look, you waived this, right? Like the the you can't come before here and say we want an entire en banc hearing of a matter of first impression on the merits of the case because, and again, I can quote directly from their brief because. The district court decision below, quote, and the prior panel decision in Jones v. Governor of Florida are contrary to the precedents of the circuit. Right. Like you, you, you got it. Like you, you get one bite at the apple. Right. Like you you could have moved for reconsideration on bond. You could have petitioned. You could have uh, a petition for cert to the Supreme Court. You didn't do either of those things. Why should we grant you backdoor relief right now? Um, but uh, but again, the 11th circuit is a deeply conservative circuit and you could see them looking at this going, yeah, uh, we're not sure that panel is representative of, of where this court is. Tough titties. That's the decision. And it, that, that injunction should not be vacated until it's, until it's decided, you know, I mean, you could take the, you could uh, have a on banc rehearing of the injunction. Yep. Uh, you, 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 you could, but, but again, the deadline to do that passed months ago. Well, tough shit. They, yeah, I, you you think they should be bound by it, um, but as we are finding out in the age of Trump, um, people are are not bound by uh, adverse consequences uh, of country opinion. I, I will tell you the briefing schedule that is set right uh, means that all briefing uh, will be concluded by August fifth of twenty twenty. Right, so within a month, um, or I guess that's five weeks. Um, but, but, but every day that we spend on this is time that is lost for people that do not know whether they will be allowed to vote or not. And in particular for a population that is highly vulnerable to the misinformation campaigns that DeSantis and Trump are going to wage, right? Like there is zero doubt in my mind that you will see flyers disseminated in Florida that say, if you're a felon and you're thinking about voting and you have unpaid fines, the 11th Circuit said you can be arrested, you know, if you show up to the polls. That's not true. That is 100% a lie. Um, but but I'm, I'm positive that that will be circulated, right? And that, and that people who have a right to vote will be deterred from the polls, even if we win in mid-August. And and by the way, like we don't we don't have enough time to do this. Um, it's not a slam dunk uh, that the 11th Circuit is going to affirm on the merits. Um, it, it has to do with the standard that you use to evaluate equal protection clause claims. Um, I 
come back on and go through that uh, in in detail. Yeah. Uh, but 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 we could lose, right? Like the Eleventh Circuit on Bonk could say uh, all that we need to do is apply. A, a rational basis review, and so long as the state has a rational interest in ensuring that fines get paid, um, they can pass Senate Bill seven zero six six. And uh, you know, it's not functionally a poll tax. It doesn't impair your fundamental right to vote. Um, too bad you're out of luck. Yeah. Um, well, and, if, if uh, this, if this court is willing to circumvent the injunction, I don't see them going our way on the merits uh and even if like you said even if we do they're already disenfranchised there's already disinformation it's already as of today uh infringing on their right to vote and uh this it's just astounding that this is that this has gone through uh this way i think it will put us past the election and you know I mean, and that's the and that is the point is to deliver Florida to Donald Trump because there are zero electoral paths to victory for Trump in 2020 that do not involve Florida's 25 electoral votes. So what can we do? Anything? What can we do? Yeah, um, mobilize. Uh, you know, we can we can do what I always quote you as saying, right? Which is vote in numbers too big for them to manipulate. Um, that. You can do that in Florida, right? Um, the the regardless of where. So so a couple of things. Number one, um, no. If you are a a felon who has an, a former felon, an ex felon who has completed your sentence, um, nothing in Senate Bill seven zero six six, nothing in any of the proceedings exposes you to any additional criminal or civil liability for showing up to vote, right? So even if you're not sure, show up and vote. If they say you're not on the rolls, demand a provisional ballot and fill it out and give it to them. Um, And if you're not, and if you care about the fact that two-thirds of your state wanted something that the Republicans are trying to take away from you, um, make make sure you go out and vote in the fall, man, and vote for Joe Biden. Don't do something stupid. (laughs) Don't, don't write in your mom, but he, yeah, and or vote and, for that like libertarian idiot. Anyway, I'm you know. <laughs> and, and there's the thing: get get your vote in, get it cast. Because even if after the election there's more litigation to happen, they might have to retroactively count your vote. Um, and that that's something that could happen. It could go to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court could decide those votes count after the election and we might have a recount if if and if florida's this the state oh boy we're looking at 2000 all over again <laughs> don't uh, look let's l- let's assume that florida isn't going to matter at all right let's hope um, let's but, hope <laughs> but, but 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 your point but your point is very well taken which is right it's a it's a it's a it's an extrapolation of the general principle that right it's better to have the money and have somebody try and sue you to disgorge it uh, than to not have it and to be suing to try and get it, right? Like, get cast your vote however that mechanism works, and um, that's, a, that's a much better position than being deterred from doing so and then hoping to overturn some election or some procedure in the courts. Like, um, that, that's, a, that's a much lower probability outcome. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. All right. Exercise you your rights. <laughs>
You heard it here. Uh, we needed an information campaign for everybody in Florida to let felons know, ex-felons know, that they can't be criminally prosecuted for voting. If they're not on the rolls, demand a provisional ballot. Get your vote in. And uh, we'll see how the cookies crumble. Absolutely. All right. Thanks very much. Uh, everybody check out the Opening Arguments podcast. It is fantastic. Andrew Torres, thanks for speaking with me today. Uh, thanks so much for having me. All right, everybody, stick around. We're going to have a quick break, and then right after, we're going to have the Good News Block with Jordan Coburn. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunsoil CBD. CBD is all the rage. It is everywhere. It's super popular in all kinds of applications from coffee and supplements to even pet treats. And uh, it's, it's just it's everywhere. It's very useful and it's so useful for so many things, too. It's not just like one thing, but it can be confusing and complicated, like dosing and how do you tell what's good and what's not? What's in, what are the ingredients and who can you trust? And these were some of the questions I had, but Sunsoil had all of the answers. With Sunsoil, you know it's in every bottle and exactly where it came from. There's no second guessing because they only use ingredients you can understand and trust. Most of their products have just two ingredients, organic hemp and organic coconut oil. Uh, transparency and quality control set Sunsoil apart from the rest of the CBD companies. They farm all their own hemp in the Green Mountain Farms of Vermont and extract the CBD themselves, and they test it for quality and purity at every step. Uh, they never use pesticides or GMOs or herbicides, nothing. Because Sunsoil does everything in-house and they keep their products simple, they can offer the highest quality CBD at unbeatable prices. In fact, Sunsoil products are half the price of other ingestible CBD brands. Every Sunsoil product is USDA organic certified, including their oil drops, soft gels, capsules, and coconut oil. Uh, I like to put a few oil drops into my morning coffee or into a smoothie after I work out. Uh, and I often take a soft gel at night before getting some really great sleep. One of the great things about Sunsoil is that because it's the largest CBD manufacturer partnering with 1% for the planet, they'll be donating 1% of Sunsoil's annual sales to help environmental nonprofits that do good for people, plants, and our planet. Sunsoil removes all the guesswork uh, by making pure and simple CBD products at an unbeatable price. Get 30% off your first order by going to sunsoil.com slash dailybeans. That's S-U-N-S-O-I-L dot com slash dailybeans for 30% off your first order. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Time for my favorite part of the day. Good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. And joining me today for the good news is Jordan Coburn. Hey, Jordan. Well, hello. How's it going? It's going good. Uh, no, we have nice. so much good news today. So much good news today. Mm -hmm. Um that uh you know what let's just kick it off I i'll start here um we'll do like a little tag team and uh from first from gerald in maryland uh says this is gerald from maryland congratulating my wonderful wife gretel she just finished her master's degree she powered through the trials of shifting to 100 percent distance learning like a master in business administration badass she is now certified to be awesome congratulations mba gretel yay in maryland Oh, and he also says, love you, babe. Yeah. I know. Gretel, I've never heard of someone with that name in real life. That's fucking rad. I love that name. Yeah, I, I met a lot of Gretels over in Germany. Okay, that makes sense. Ah, uh, yes, Hansel. Yeah, pretty common. Yes. Pretty common. Hansel's very hot right now. So hot right now. Poor Gerald. He probably gets so many Hansel jokes, it's painful. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know I'm local? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like at a bar or something, takes Gretel's ID and then turns to him and is like, and Mr. Hansel. <laughs> mm, oh, God, that's probably, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, yeah, Gerald. Hats off to you for all the Hansel (laughs) jokes that you've had to endure. You have a master's in deflecting Hansel jokes. And uh, we recognize that as well. Honorary master's degree in deflecting Hansel jokes from the University of (laughs) Malaysia. Yeah, seriously. I hope on Valentine's Day he does things like leaves breadcrumbs to the bed or something, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's a gingerbread house. No! (laughs) All right, okay. Uh, so I'm good. so sorry. Okay. I'm so sorry. Yeah, <laughs> those just... are all, I'm sure, brand spanking new jokes to Gerald. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Never heard any of these. Um, <laughs> but congratulations, Gretel. That's amazing. And uh, Gerald, hell yes for celebrating, Gretel. Uh, next up from Lana, pronoun she, her. Good feels. Lana Bandana here with an update. After living with us for three months, my 81-year-old former... Trump supporting mom is alive and well in our home. Trump did not get to kill her as her assisted living apartment has had several COVID-19 cases and deaths. We limited her Fox time to one hour a day as she hardly watches that. She now gets my rage. She can't quite 100% blame him yet as the Fox cult runs deep, but she is aware of the lies and she will not ever vote GOP again. We've been able to celebrate one more Mother's Day and her 81st birthday. My hubby has even joined the resistance. He no longer thinks I am overreacting and I have even heard him repeat my MSW pearls of wisdom. Yes! I continue to make mm-hmm. and donate masks. Lana bandana. Lana? Lana? Hmm. Lana, ba- Lana bandanas of love. That is so... A- <laughs> that's an amazing name. Hubby and mom assist now too, which warms my heart. We are blessed to be okay financially, so I continue to support BLM and Vote Blue groups. I stumbled upon your podcast during the Kavanaugh chaos. I'm a rape survivor, and it was the worst trigger of pain I have experienced. Then the kind universe led me to you. Not only did I finally acknowledge my pain, but I now speak my truth and have become an activist. Thank you forever. Thank you forever. Yes. Awesome. Ah, Lana Bandana. That's so amazing. That's amazing. That's so amazing. Fuck yes. Love that. Thank you. He no longer thinks I'm overreacting. Right. (laughs) You've heard him repeat MSW Pearls of Wisdom. What are MSW Pearls of Wisdom, I wonder? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. I'm sure it is. I was just going to say, I I hope it's politics related and not uh, (laughs) fart cop. Pearls of wisdom. Yeah, right. Mueller, the Mueller report won't fit on a bumper sticker and fart cop. Yeah. Um, we are wise asses. We are. We are quite. I know. I feel, and now I feel bad uh, for the whole Hansel thing. I, I, uh, like, I, first of all, I want Gretel to know 100% that I absolutely love her name. I just, I have to, I have to say that because I'm mostly oh, totally. just given your, your husband a hard time there. Yeah, um, yeah. No, this is purely, purely fabled jokes. Nothing yes. personal. Oh. oh, I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> all right. From from Betty. <laughs> from Betty, uh, pronouns she, her. I volunteer every spring, January through April, doing income taxes for low-income families. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. It's called the VITA program, Volunteer Income Tax Assistance. We got shut down in mid-March, our busiest time, because of COVID-19. The program staff came up with a way to get completed returns sent out to just about everyone who hadn't come in to pick them up before we shut down. They spent the next weeks coming up with a process to interview clients online and do returns from home safely and securely. It feels so good to be helping people again after months off. The staff also came up with a way to interview people, gather their tax info, prepare returns, check them over, and have clients sign off with limited physical contact at the site we normally use. 
um, which is the main public library, also closed for the next two weeks. Um, Think lots of wipes, masks, and plexiglass. The IRS extended tax season to July 15th, and we will soon start seeing people again, quote-unquote. It's a trial run for next tax season with the possibility of COVID and the flu hitting the same time next year. Wish us luck. Wow, Betty, that's so amazing. I didn't even know... I. I didn't even realize there was a, a program out there to to help low low income families complete their taxes. That's mm-hmm. such a what a awesome thing that is. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really, really awesome. Um, good luck. He said, "Wish us luck," and we shall do that. Everybody, send your good luck yes. vibes. Uh, next up mm-hmm. from Heidi, pronoun she her in Denmark. Hi, lovely ladies. I'm a 49-year-old Dane who has been listening to all your podcasts from the beginning. Woohoo! I'm interested in American politics because my twin brother and his family are living in Boulder, Colorado. So here's the good news. He is expecting to get his American citizenship just in time for the election in November. I'm so happy our family can contribute in our small way to get Trump out of office. Keep up the great work with informing us and and getting us to smile and laugh in the process. Please take care of yourself and your loved ones, and I hope you'll have a great summer. Thank you, Heidi. Sending love back to you. Thanks, Heidi. Congratulations to your family. That's so cool. Also, Boulder, Colorado, I heard, is like the sickest city ever. I need to go there. It seems so rad. It's like an artsy liberal place, right? Yep. It's pretty great. And uh, yeah, that that was like one of the places we thought about going on tour, you know, outside of Denver Mm -hmm. when we were going to hit Colorado. But um, yeah, it's really nice there. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's great. I've got a great friend who uh, who just got her American citizenship and uh, she'll be voting for the she, like literally like a week ago and she'll be voting yeah. in the election in November. Um, she stepped on the gas uh, after Trump was elected so that she could vote. So she could totally. vote against him. Uh, all right. Next from Kate. She, her in Windsor, Canada, across the border from Detroit. Awesome. Uh, all in all. She says, I've been having a pretty good quarantine. I want to acknowledge my privilege here. I'm still employed full-time working from home. I have a little house with a garden I can escape to and an amazing cat and dog team that keeps our spirits up. My partner was cut to part-time but is still working, so we're doing okay. And as a dedicated introvert, I am comfortable with having zero obligations outside of my job. I'm also a partner in a small business, and our team has worked hard, um, has worked so hard to make sure we'll survive this, and our beautiful, supportive, kind customers have been the most amazing uh, as we transitioned to online sales and started up a free local delivery program. I do it on my bike. That's awesome. Uh, but I know we are the lucky ones, and a lot of people in our city are suffering. We live in a manufacturing-heavy border town, and our unemployment numbers are the highest in Canada. That's why I wanted to shout out a grassroots team of volunteers in our community who put together a massive food drive last week called the June 27th Miracle. This amazing effort saw people putting out donations on their porches and a team of drivers going door-to-door to pick it up. This event was so successful that our entire local arena was filled with donations, plus more in our neighboring towns. My partner and I don't keep a ton of canned goods, and I'm currently finding the grocery store very stressful, so we made a cash donation, and I'm glad uh, to have been a teeny tiny part of this amazing project that will help a lot of people. I'm really proud of my neighbors and friends and amazed at how far generosity can go in these difficult times, including a link uh, to a news story so you can see just how generous our city can be. So everybody, if you Google Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R, Canada, um, and Miracle, uh, June 27th Miracle, um, you should find this. And we'll, we'll include a link, too, in our newsletter. That's so sweet. I was just thinking of something like that. It's it's not easy to coordinate by any means, but it is possible. It's definitely doable, you know? So that'd be cool. Um, 
me just hearing that story, I'm thinking of something that could happen like that in, in San Diego, like in our neighborhood. There's so many good people here too. I, I feel inspired by that story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, next up from Desmond, pronouns he, him. He says, I listen every day and I should have sent this a long time ago. I'm a Brooklyn native living in Texas. Woof. I have worked in ministry for the last 10 years and I've met and helped many people overcome addiction as I did myself 12 years ago. We stay connected through Facebook. Over the last year, my posts have been more and more about racism. I'm black and grew up under stop and frisk. Racism is very real to me. I never realized that I knew so many racists in real life. What was crazy is that they were all nice to me in person, but when they shared their opinions on Facebook, oof, lots of hate, conservative talking points, gaslighting, and my favorite, racism is gone and it's just exaggerated by the media. I finally got so angry that I made a post stating that it was not my responsibility to change anybody's mind and that I was giving up posting about racism issues. Fast forward to Ahmaud Arbery's murder, Breonna Taylor, and then George Floyd. I couldn't take it anymore. I kept crying uncontrollably all day long for days, sometimes pulling over because all of a sudden I couldn't see. I didn't know what to do with myself. Then, out of the blue, I got two messenger alerts. Two of the most vocal guys from the media is exaggerating crowd had reached out to me to make sure that I was okay. They both apologized and told me that they were wrong and wanted to know how they could change. They wanted to become allies. More tears, but this time they were tears of joy. I now have two friends that are more than just acquaintances and I am thankful. Things are pretty scary here in Texas, so I'm wearing my mask everywhere I go. My wife hooks them up with essential oils, so I breathe healthy, good-smelling air all day. I'm an essential worker, and it's fucking essential that I get my daily beans every day. Thanks for the amazing work that y'all do. Thank you so much, Desmond, for sending that in. That's... I just can't even... Wow. I just can't even imagine what that's like. It's so fucked up. To have the two call you, though, and be like, we were wrong. Yeah. It's... it's a, it. You know, we talked about this sea change, about the this massive 180 in in the the zeitgeist, the public thinking uh, about about racism and you know systemic and overt and uh, implicit in this country, and you know police policing um, racism and in, in policing and and just the just the shift in the mentality is like I people are going to study it for a long time, and I I it's the biggest shift in public thinking I've ever seen mm -hmm. in my life. And, um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm so glad that, that they reached out to you because that just had to be so hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I've got one more here from Delta in Rhode Island. Um, Delta, her pronouns are she, her, and she says a local news reporter, Lindsay LaDuca Received a hateful voicemail saying cruel things about her looks, her weight, clothing, and other dumb bullshit. She posted the transcription of the voicemail and took the opportunity to use her platform to speak out against that kind of crap, sending out to strong a strong body positive sending out a strong body positivity message to women and young girls in Rhode Island. We're a small state, so local news gets around pretty fast and people rallied to support her and get the conversation about loving yourself, despite what other fools might say, really going. She was on a news segment and said that our governor, Gina uh, Raimondo, took a moment to call her and thank her for choosing to be posi a positive role model after she got such hateful messages. And Raimondo shares, unsurprisingly, that people are constantly making comments on her hair and clothes uh, and that you have to rise above it and keep going. It's a small thing in a small state, but a nice reminder that some struggles that feel deeply personal are shared by many 
And that, as Lindsay said, paraphrasing, remember, for every one person that hates you, at least 10 more love and support you. Thank you, Beansies, for all your hard work and positivity. Also, I think the weekly cocktail hour theme this week should be DIY accessories, macaroni Ooh. necklaces, construction paper hats, and paper clip earrings. Ahoy. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. I like that. I like oh. that, too. For some reason, my first thought is a tinfoil hat, which is maybe not a great <laughs> sign. <laughs> maybe you could make a Guy Fox mask out of macaroni. You, know, oh, you never know. I, I already have one sitting in my closet. <laughs> glue some macaroni to it (laughs) i'll make it really cute like a little cute little guy fox mask (laughs) yeah or like trace your hand out on top of the guy fox mask and cut cut out a turkey guy fox turkey is a guy fox the original diy guy didn't he like make his own bombs and shit in his underground bunker (laughs) i don't know if any of that's real (laughs) i watched v for vendetta one time (laughs) one time right uh, but as far as this um, this message from Rhode Island and this news reporter and body positivity, that's great. That's amazing, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. we need to. I, I I also have this feeling that that what um, everybody coming together, um, you know, after George Floyd's murder has done, uh, has it's sort of seeped out into every cause. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's. Sort of like how we say we have to look at every issue through the lens of systemic racism. I think that the healing, or at least the the movement behind the opposition to systemic racism, has seeped into all other causes, and we should look mm-hmm. at them through the through the lens of Black Lives Matter. If you, if if that makes any sense, because I mean Absolutely. I'm seeing just this incredible outpouring with, you know, ever since the DACA decision came down and the the Title Seven came down for LGBTQ plus community members, um, this you know the, this post about body positivity, um, the Me Too movement. I feel like that I feel like it, it's done so much more for everyone, uh, and. I just I think it's just it's just incredible. I I really am looking forward to to people studying this uh, sociology, this lexicon, this shift, this huge paradigm shift in in the in probably what most of us thought, but just didn't have an outlet to uh, to oppose. Do you know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, black lives, especially black women, have been really the pillar of resistance and justice work in this country, like for as long as, you know, the country can remember. And Mm -hmm. that's that's something that black women do not get the credit for that they deserve. But we see, you know, all these warrior movements and it, it inspires and lifts up everybody. Like when when black women win, that's inherently a win for all marginalized people and they're always fighting and they're they're always they're always winning as you know small in number the victories may be sometimes because of how racist the current landscape is and always has been but but they're just like the pillars of justice in this country i think and you saying that is super on point and really important for people to remember and, and get strength from as well well, that's a pretty heavy final thought that you just gave us. Because <laughs> I'm not going to ask you about a final thought. Um, but yeah, uh, I I I agree. And and thank you, everyone. Delta, Desmond, um, Heidi, Kate, Betty, Lana, and Gerald. 
Thank you so much for sending in your good news stories. These are really, really awesome. And, uh, uh, and you know, tomorrow, don't forget, we have our we have our meet and greet. And maybe, maybe that DIY accessories, that's a good idea. I'll consider that too. If you have any ideas, head to our website, send them in. You can also submit your good news stories there or at our pinned tweet, at Daily Beans Pod. Or you can also submit your quarantine confessions in, in either place. And uh, I'm excited. So thank you, everyone. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.